0: You are listening to the Ridgewood Church Podcast on a sermon series that will take us through the Gospel of John, entitled, Learning Jesus. So it must have been a really difficult night for Jesus. The disciples didn't know what was happening. They were at a a dinner. They'd done this before. They were in the upper room. And it was just another Passover feast. But Jesus knew that his next step on the journey would be to go to the cross. And so he was preparing them for his departure. He was readying them for that eventuality. And probably nothing rattled their cages more than what Jesus said recorded in John 13, Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now also I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. And with those words, everything changed for the disciples. Jesus was Leaving them. And so then he got a flurry of questions. Where are you going? How do we know the way? And then Philip, who we hadn't really heard from, says, Hey, Jesus, can you show us the Father? That'll be enough. (laughs) You see, Philip was confused and he wanted comfort. And he wanted to see God. But what he failed to realize is that God was the one he was talking to. And so many times in our lives, when we get off-center, when things change, when we become afraid, we forget that God is there for us. He is blessing us. He is speaking to us. He is guiding us, and if we keep going to all kinds of different places, trying to get whatever this thing is inside of us filled, then we will walk past the most important thing in life, and that is getting to know Jesus Christ at a deep level, and helping others get to know Jesus Christ at a deep level. So this morning, I want you to know that God's eyes are on you, God is with you, Jesus is God, if you've seen Him, you've seen the Father, if you have Him inside of you, you have the Father inside of you. But I wanted to steer you to a deeper relationship with Christ this morning, because Jesus is God, He's right in front of you. And let's go to the text, because I think you're going to find it really encouraging this morning. So, let's go to John chapter 14, beginning in verse 8, John 14, 8. And if you want to grab a Bible that's in the seat back in front of you, it's on page 901. You can also use the Ridgewood app and just touch on media, study guide, and get yourself right to where you want to go. So we are learning Jesus in the Gospel of John. And the disciples are gathered in the upper room. And this particular section is important and it's compelling because we'll see Jesus Christ in all of his glory and i hope it'll be encouraging to you because if you are a believer in jesus you have him inside of you and i hope you see more of him here today because in this upper room discourse there's a lot of things happening it's full of amazing and life changing truth now as as we read our bibles there's pages and pages of the upper room discourse but really this wasn't a very long time it's the meal And a lot of things have been happening. Jesus washed their feet. He commanded them to love each other. He pointed out Judas as the betrayer. He singled out Peter and said, you're going to betray me. I'm leaving. Thomas said, well, well, how do we know the way? Jesus said, well, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Quite a claim. But this morning, he makes even a more outrageous claim. And a shocking claim. And so I want to look at it with you and really strengthen your faith in who Jesus is. And that's John's call to us as well. So look at verse 8. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. And Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Or else believe on account of the works themselves. So here's this group of men getting this news that their lives were changing, Jesus was leaving them, and Philip says to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father. That's enough for us. We'll be okay then. What he really wanted was a theophany, which is simply a visible display of God to human beings. He wanted to see the Father. And like us Philip wanted to see more and we are wired that way we're wired to experience more of God so we yearn to experience God in new and deeper ways and that's a good thing because God wired us to have relationship with him but the problem comes is when things aren't right or God's not acting quickly enough or not answering our prayers the way we want we get jittery, we get anxious, we get impatient, and we run off and try to find a better way when there is no better way than to trust Jesus. But this yearning to to know God goes all the way back through the ages, and I think of Moses. And I think of that time in Exodus 33 when Israel was about ready to destroy itself, they made this golden calf, they're worshiping this golden calf, and we're all reading it going like, how could this happen? And Moses comes along and intercedes and prays like crazy and saves Israel from ruin. And he was tight with God. Nobody probably had walked that closely with God since the garden. But he asked one more thing. He said, in verse 18, Lord, show me your glory. And God said no. Because God knew that if he did show Moses his glory, Mo, he, Moses would die because of God's blazing and beautiful holiness. God knew what was best for Moses. God knows what's best for you. And we look at this section of Scripture, we see this theophany, and the reason that God did that, He said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock. And I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. So it's not like God didn't hear the prayer. He he gave Moses part of that, but he couldn't give it all to him because he would have died. And you see, when we're praying, when we're wondering, when we're trying to understand God, we must step back and say God has the big picture in mind and I don't. And so there's got to be a trust level there. And this is what the disciples were really struggling with because their world was changing and here's Jesus saying all this crazy stuff. But here's the beauty of Jesus Christ. This is This goes to the glory of Christ. Here's the one who gave himself on the cross, atoned for sin, allowed us to have relationship with him and direct access to the Father so that through Jesus Christ, we could look at the very face of God and not die. In fact, we could have relationship with God. In fact, God could indwell us. And that's why Jesus is the real thing. And that's why you don't have to run anywhere else. Because Jesus is there. He's right in front of you. And he was right in front of these guys. And so, here we are with this incredible thing going on. He's making himself known to the disciples. But as we look at John, we see that John has been pressing this point from the very first Verse in the book. We go to John 1 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word here means Jesus, the Logos. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Not only is he stressing the fact that Jesus is God, but that he's there in the beginning. He's eternal. He'll go on to tell us that Jesus is the Creator. And John is convinced that. That Jesus is this amazing person, and he's calling us to believe in the entire gospel. Just come and believe. Because Jesus can change your life. He can give you new life. And and as I look at this book, and one of the things that excites me so much about it, and one of the reasons I continually hammer home this idea that Jesus is the only thing The only thing we need is because He is the one who will satisfy your deepest longings. We don't need further enlightenment. We don't need to be any smarter. Now, I need to be a lot smarter, but not in a spiritual sense. We don't need to be smarter. We don't need five steps to a happy, prosperous life. If you have Jesus inside of you, you are living your best life now. We don't need to build these constructs where we're climbing to try to earn God's favor. Because we can't, and that's why we need Jesus. We're clothed in His righteousness. We can't get there, but we have Jesus, and we're never going to have a perfect record. We're never going to have it down but we have Jesus. And what's happening here is Philip is grasping at straws. Whoa, 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 whoa. If we could just see the Father, we're going to be okay. And Jesus is just shaking his head, I think, and just going, wow, like, I think that I've already kind of showed you that I am that person. And here's what happens if we don't believe this truth, we start wandering and we start dabbling in things that give us this temporary sense of, of peace and satisfaction and contentment. I mean, Jaron was up here today because many, many people have gone to drugs and alcohol for that temporary sense of satisfaction and it's put them in bondage. You heard that from Teen Challenge last week. But we even dabble in things that aren't as unrelatable for Christians as substance abuse. I mean, that only happens outside the church. So what we do is we dabble in kind of good things. We, 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 we go off and we spend time at church so we don't have to face our family. Or we get involved with a club and help in the community so we don't need to deal with what's really gone inside of it. Of us. And what I'm trying to tell you here is that Jesus is the one to turn to at times like this because He is the one with the answers. But it takes time, it takes focus, and Jesus has to be the center of that. He's real and He's tangible. And now Jesus is going to answer Philip's question. And Philip's question reveals that he's, He wants more. And the truth regarding Jesus' identity is stunning and it's definitive and we're going to see it right here. So look at the first half of verse 9. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. And I think as I read this, there's there's a hint of of sadness in, in Jesus' tone. Because... He's been battling his opponents. I mean, he doesn't expect the Pharisees to get this truth. He, he wouldn't expect the Sadducees, but his own men, his own guys. Three years, and they still didn't get it. They were walking with the truth, and they walked right past the truth. <laughs> and a lot of us go like, "Wow, well, I wish I could have been these guys. If I would have walked with Jesus, I would have no problems with faith. Not true. And I like this reference to the length of time. It's interesting. Have I been with you so long? Even being there a long time did not convince these men. And here's, here's one point I want to make, is that don't ever confuse being a Christian for a length of time with spiritual maturity. You may have been going to church for 40 years. That doesn't mean you're a mature believer. There's a lot of people that have been, you know, kind of rumbling around churches for, for decades, and they still haven't got the main concept, which is to love God, love their neighbor, and make Jesus known. We have a lot of Christians that are puffed up with pride. Oh, I got it. I got it. But we never have it. And that's what, that's what Jesus is trying to address here. It's supposed to be a place of, of, of fellowship, it's supposed to be a place of joy, but now he's saying to them, I'm leaving you, and they're looking at him like, what are we going to do? And so what Jesus does here, and this is what John has been trying to do, is he calls us to faith. The true identity of Jesus can only be seen through the eyes of faith. You've got to look through faith, because you're not always going to be able to see him. Look at the second half of 9 through 11. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. So these words of Jesus are a call to belief. Do you not believe? Believe in me that I am in the Father, the Father is in me. Because a belief is a doorway through which you can realize this biblical truth. And the idea of mutual indwelling, this language of I'm in the Father and He is in me, that just points out the incredible unity that exists between Jesus and His Father. And then there's an interesting little quote here, I do not speak on my own authority. And that doesn't mean that Jesus is just an envoy of God and he's just reciting. No. That's sonship language. So not only is Jesus here claiming to be the Father, but he's also claiming to be the Son of God. And you can see why the disciples, why their heads might have been spinning a little bit. But he's saying to them, have you not seen me? Have you not experienced me? And put yourself in the disciples' place for a moment. I mean, they're coming from a Jewish background where Yahweh was this amazingly reverent term. And they've been raised learning about Yahweh, the one who spoke to Moses at the burning bush, the one who parted the Red Sea. Yahweh shattered the walls of Jericho, He caused the sun to stand still for Joshua, that same Yahweh, the one that brought fire down and destroyed the prophets of Baal, the one who rescued Daniel from the fiery furnace. This is Yahweh. This is who Jesus was claiming to be. And so no wonder they're doing a double take. But if they were watching closely enough for the three years they were with him, they would have said, oh yeah. I get that. That makes sense. And though Philip is talking to Jesus face to face, he still asked to see the Father. And Jesus rebukes him. And he says, you should know this by now. I am the Father. If you've seen him, you've seen me. Now that's life-changing truth. And it's amazing. Because human beings have been wired To have this relationship with God, who is not abstract, who's not a judge, who doesn't sit on a throne with a white beard, it's not Morgan Freeman, Jesus is this one that we yearn for. And so, in our context in the church age, it's Jesus that we yearn for. And so, the reason this is important is because, you see, in our church age, Jesus has made a way. For us to have relationship with Yahweh through His Son, Jesus Christ. The mind-bender is that He is also Yahweh. So we can trust Him and we don't have to go anywhere else. So we, if we look here at verse 11 again, we, we see what Jesus says to His disciples. And it's important, believe in me that I am in the Father, the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. So he's saying, if you're not going to believe my words, then believe the works that you've seen. I mean, he raised people from the dead. He changed water into wine. He calmed the storm with his voice. And he must have been shaking his head, like, what do I got to do? But it takes belief. We have to look through the eyes of faith. And Jesus said, believe in the works at least. And so here's... Here's a piece of advice for you. If, you're, if your faith is wavering, if you're wondering if God is really paying attention to you and you're wondering why God isn't answering prayer or why things are just continually just keep going downhill, write down the things in your past that you've seen God do. And even better, start writing a journal of the things that God is doing in your life so you can look back and go, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, God was there. Oh, yeah, God did this. Oh, right, God did that. And if you can't even think of anything, then read the New Testament. Start with John and look at the miracles that Jesus does. Now, I understand faith is hard, and I struggle in my own life because there's things in my life. That I don't like. There's circumstances happening that I have no control over that break my heart, and I pray about it every day. And sometimes nothing seems to change. And so I understand this fight and this battle that we have. And so for some of you, this might just seem really empty. I mean, do these words seem empty to you? Is it? Does it feel like it's for someone else? Because the, you know the disciples. They thought they had everything all figured out. They were rock stars. Jesus was the biggest thing going. Crowds of a thousand people, they were in the inner circle. And all of a sudden, their world's turning upside down. And for us, just when we feel like we've finally gotten through that thing, then we hear the words, I'm leaving you. Or you've got cancer. Or we get that phone call in the night that just changes our life forever. And then we're like Philip, when we're grasping for straws. we're like, "Wow, where is God in that?" So I understand that faith can be hard, but what I'm calling you to this morning is belief. I'm calling you to believe in Jesus Christ. This is what John is calling you to. This is what Jesus is calling you to. To believe in the power and glory of Jesus. In this context, in the book of John, there's no greater revelation of the glory of Jesus and the glory of his Father than his death and resurrection. He went to the cross. He died. He rose again. He defeated death. He ascended to the Father where he is right now as our high priest mediating for us. And one day he will come back and take us to himself. There's no greater revelation of his glory than that. And he knew that's what would happen next. And the consequences would be massive. One consequence was that the Holy Spirit would come. And now we have the Holy Spirit to help us understand all of this truth. And we'll talk more about that next week. But Jesus made himself known, not just at this moment... But in his future actions, rising from the dead, ascending to heaven. And they all saw that. But here's the thing. The power and glory of Christ was on display all that time for the disciples. But they walked right past it. They wanted more. And just think what we miss when we keep living our lives like, just, just do one more thing, one more glimpse. One more verse, one more nudge. And I'll tell you what, one thing I've learned, and I haven't learned a lot, and every time I think that I've learned something, I, I have five more things that I have to learn is when you get a nudge of the Holy Spirit. I mean, it, I'm not talking about like, you know, telling your wife one day, like, I got a nudge, just sell the house, and let's, let's go to Florida and, and live down there, which sounds like a good idea, but. I'm talking about when you get a nudge like, you should call this person, you should pray for this person, you should talk to that person, you should then follow the nudge, stop waiting for the next thing and the next thing. And if you're hurting, if you wake up in the morning, I mean, sometimes I wake up, I can't even explain it. It's like I have, everything's just off. I I don't even know why. And instead of running to sports or, or, or running to the news or running this and that, I just learned, okay. Now you need Jesus. This is when you need Jesus. So just stop and pray. Read scripture and let Jesus speak into that. It doesn't necessarily go away, but I'm feeding on truth. So if you are a follower of Jesus this morning, I just want to encourage you as your shepherd not to go around and drink from all these pools that look so good but are just full of mud and muck when you can come to the waters of life and drink forever. And if you are not a believer in Jesus, listen, the world's going to tell you that you can do life just fine without him, that you can have satisfaction in all the things around you, but the truth of the matter is that all of those things are empty in the end and do not lead to eternal life. In fact, a life without Jesus leads to condemnation and death. So will you please think about that? And no matter what camp you're in, Jesus is calling you to believe. So will you believe? Will you please take a moment in quiet and just think about that question. Will you believe? And what are the areas that you tend to run away from God where you really need just to center yourself on the truth of Jesus Christ? And then I'll pray. Thank you for joining us on the Ridgewood Church Podcast.